I would like it, if I may, to take you upon a strange journey. Welcome to Night Sense. Night Sense is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell, and I'm being joined by none other than our newest segment host, Adin Arden of Militant Eroticism. How are you, my man? I'm doing fantastic. Cool. How are you doing? Very excited to be actually uh, talking with you throughout the whole show, hopefully. We've tried this before, and... I think my uh, my network card was sort of dying on me, my, my wireless card, and I got a new one, and so I'm hoping, I've, I've recorded a few people since, so we shouldn't have any issues like we did that last time. Um, but it is August 25th, and we have a fantastic show for you this week. Uh, I've got another Nine Cents Letters. Here's the thing. This is, I mean, it's sort of feast or famine with these things. Um, either I get a whole bunch of letters all at once, and I kind of have to sort through them, or I, I don't get anything, and I just do a typical devil's advocate. I have a number of nine cents letters that I'm I'm gonna try to get through in the in the coming weeks. I don't know if I'm gonna be breaking them up, but this one is from a longtime listener, and so I definitely wanted to to speak to it, and hopefully we can make it entertaining and informative at the same time. I'm not making any promises. <laughs> in the infernal informant, we have two articles again. Obama comes out against dog breed specific legislation. And U.S. says Syria used chemical weapons as U.N. plans inspection. And then, as already mentioned, militant eroticism. We're going for episode three now. Is it really three episodes? It is. I'm stoked, and I have <laughs> tons more to talk about. Hell yeah. As soon as my cat gets off of my table. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's fucked up. Not not a not normally a good place for uh, animals to be. FYI, uh, especially for me, I don't want to. I don't want a pussy on my penis. You know, <laughs> doesn't belong there at all. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, if it wasn't a kitty cat pussy, um, I'd, I'd be okay with that. Uh, that's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No accounting for taste anymore. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently. Well, as you can probably hear, I am still sick. Um, tell me if you've had a, a situation like this. So I don't go to the doctors unless it's it's like a week and I know that I should I should have gotten better by now. You know, I, I don't want to just be one of those pers- people that, you know, every two days goes in and, and knocks on the door. And so I try to withhold. And every time I get to the doctors, I feel like I'm putting them out. And what's worse is they make me feel like I'm putting them out. You know, I mean, just that that whole thing where you have to sign in and then you have to wait. And then they call you and then you have to wait. And then they come and see you and then you have to wait. It's like they have so much, so many better things to do with their time than deal with you. They're just putting you on ice for as long as humanly possible. So you're already put in this weird defi- – like you're already sick. So you already feel like shit anyway. Like you're not <laughs> on your game. 
And then right. they make they make you feel so horrible. Like you are the last person I want to see today. I'm going to see everyone else before I see you because for some reason everyone thinks you're always faking it or at least that's the feeling I get whenever I go see the doctor. So I, I go in there and I got this weird hippie dude who's the acting nurse, you know, sort of doing the admission thing, and which is always weird. And then I have tattoos and so there's always this weird, awkward tattoo compliment moment. I don't know if you ever deal with this. It, it's no, I, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> oh. Well, then you wouldn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, you should draw one on your arm and just so you can experience this horrible moment where there's like this – it's it's weird. It's like when someone sees you with your kid, they feel compelled to comment on your kid's looks. Oh, they're cute. Oh, that's you know that's a cute hairdo. Why the fuck are you talking about my kid? Who the fuck are you? It's the same thing with tattoos. It's always like, oh, that's a nice tattoo. All right, well, I know you don't really fucking mean it and I know you don't even fucking care anyway, but thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. Where'd you get it? Like, you're going to drag this out even more. Like, where'd you... You don't care about that. Is this... I'm I'm here because I feel like, hell, I don't want to talk about my ink. Like, the last thing on my mind is my tattoos and you with your hippie fucking stash and your stupid soul patch that, by the way, if it's not 1967 and you're not playing a fucking saxophone, doesn't make any fucking sense in the world. Hey, 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 hey. Now, those little things... They can they can be cute on the right guy. <laughs> they can all right, be cute. I mean, this dirty ass hippie smelling of patchouli oil, uh, fucking uh, like I, asking me to stick my finger in the temperature thing, and I can't help but think there's some weird undertone to this whole process. <laughs> Commenting on my tattoos is very uncomfortable. Like, so I'm gonna tell you where I got it, and what you're gonna leave to go get a new tattoo from that same exact person, or what you're gonna put it on your calendar. I'm like, I'm gonna, I have to talk to this person because this dude who is sick as shit and I'm bothering with tattoo parlance is, is I don't know, recommended you. So I, I must go to this tattoo artist. Like, why? what is it with the small talk? You, you know I'm here because I feel like shit. You know I have to wait a really fucking long time to be seen by any doctor, regardless of the institution. Where the fuck are you extending it as long as possible? It, you know, know what you should have done? You should have um, said, you know, I will fucking tell you where I got the tattoo, <laughs> what the tattoo means. I'll give you the home phone number of the man who drew it if you get me through that goddamn door in two minutes. <laughs> you got two minutes and I will hook you up, you stinky <laughs> motherfucker. No, it was right. horrible. And so there's this, uh, that, that weird, awkward moment. And then traditionally, when I've gone to the doctor is, you know, they enter and they have some form of bedside manner. This time, I swear, I got, like, the breaking bad of doctors. Like, this dude walks in, and there must have been some sort of talk before I got into that waiting room. Like, that hippie had to say some shit. Like, and people always think I have a, a wolf's hook on my wrist. People always think it's Nine Inch Nails, or they think it's a swastika. Like, it's it's <laughs> always one of the It's never the wolf's hook, because no one ever fucking has heard of that. But well, it, I mean, you know it's not a Nine Inch Nails symbol, or... If anything, you know, a metalhead would say, oh, wow, that was on an album of tools. That's the most you could say, maybe. Right. Like, but <laughs> it doesn't look like either one of those, even <laughs> if you don't know what a, um, a wolf's fuck is. It's horrible. It's horrible. So I know that there was some back and forth between them two, because when he comes in, he and he's, he's like this rotund person. So he walks in with this sort of weight about him, and then he immediately goes into like this folded arms stance in front of me with this sort of looking down on me to me like, so what are you here for? 
Like, I filled out a fucking form. I I talked about <laughs> I, my tattoos with your shitty hippie nurse. You should know what the fuck I'm in here for. <laughs> it's not like I told them one thing and then I'm just going to talk to you about I can't get my dick up or something. Like, I'm going to I'm going to tell you people what I'm here for. I'm not faking. I wouldn't be here. Like, this is what I do for fun, you know? I'm, I come to the doctor just to waste time. A good five hours. That makes my day. That's, that's what it's I a, like to do. It's a mini vacation. It's like, ah, <laughs> uh, I got done with a long, hard day at work. I'm going to go to the doctor. I love I'm going to get stuff shoved up my ass by some man who doesn't give to, uh, who's not even going to, you know, buy me roses first. Yeah. I, it's going to be that, a good day. I like, it, I like a reach around, and the doctors don't ever give the reach around. They just invade. They're like Norm, I, storming the beach in Normandy. I've never had that problem. My, do- <laughs> my doctor back, I hate doctors so much. Now I try and date a doctor, so I don't have to <laughs> Nice. Out of, out of the men I date, I always have one that's either a physician's assistant or a doctor, so I can go to them. Because when, when I would go to the doctor any, for anything, anything, I went in there for a cough, and he was like, oh, <laughs> uh, well, you, you may need to get tested for HIV. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I actually debated him once. I went in there for some cream because I had some bad chafing from masturbating. What? Oh, no. It happened all the time when I was a kid, too. My dad oh my taught me how God. to fix it. Good bonding moment. What? That's the weirdest conversation ever. Oh, yeah. It's fun. He, today's my dad's birthday, and he decided to bring that up to me. Like, hey, remember that time you know, I sat with you in the bathroom because you were crying. You were 11. And uh, I taught you how to fix masturbation problems. I'm like, and you wonder, you wonder why so... I grew up to be the man I am. <laughs> they wonder why I talk about these kind of things. <laughs> That's fucked up. This is why I'm this way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You uh, made me this way. That's funny. But the doctor was sitting there. I was debating <laughs> with a fucking doctor. He's like, oh, well, it's syphilis. I look at it like it's not syphilis. He's <laughs> like, well, why isn't it syphilis, doctor? I said, well, I can tell you, so I pick out six things that I don't have. And um, and then he goes, oh, well, then it's herpes. And I just kind of put my... What, has he got a list behind you? He's just reading up. <laughs> I swear to God. So we go through about six possible STDs, and <laughs> I crush all of them. I just look, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Did you go to medical school? I'm like, I'm not... I'm not Are you going to pay I'm, me for educating you? <laughs> I walked out of the office. I knew it. I went to a dermatologist and I knew exactly what it fucking was. It was chafing. I love I love the first Oh, it's probably AIDS. What the fuck kind of bedside manner is that? Yeah. Like no tests, no nothing. From the day I told him I was gay. Because before that I actually did go into the doctor for that. He's like, Oh, you know what? You're 17, it happens, you know. It's cool, let's fix it. Tell him I was gay, it's AIDS. You have, oh you my have. gosh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Yeah, mine wasn't that bad. <laughs> he just he yeah, just ac- accusingly asked me what I was there for. And then I, I told him, you know, I explained the whole situation. Like, I shouldn't be, you know, sick this long. I shouldn't have a fucking, you know, horrible swollen throat this long. And he, you know, he took care of me and everything. It's But it, it's, it's the hour and a half that you have to go through before you get that prescription or you get you know the reassuring word oh you have aids <laughs> from the doctor that just is infuriating like it just it makes the entire experience so much worse yeah they wonder why people would rather just stay sick in bed and self-medicate yeah or why they get sued all the fucking time because they're dropping hivs everywhere this is yeah. like fucking crazy 
I swear to God, if one more doctor tells me I have HIV, I'm going to scream. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't Philadelphia! <laughs> no, my mother, uh, my mother has lupus, so I used to go to the doctor with her all the, all the time growing up. Um, and she used to joke, because there was only one lupus specialist in Michigan, so we'd go to him. Yeah. And, you know, I liked him because he was cute. But uh, she, <laughs> she would bitch. Doctor. He loved my mother, but she was one of those really... Patients who are just sick of being sick. She's like, no, I'm not taking another fucking pill. He's like, Tammy, you you need this pill. She's like, no, fuck you. You just want my money. Um, My mother is the type of woman who got thrown out of Chuck E. Cheese. So (laughs) that gives you an idea of what that doctor was dealing with. She didn't take shit from no one. Short little redhead. Um, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) On fire. Oh, on fire. Yeah. (laughs) So, um. She, she would always bitch uh, because he would make her wait for so long. She goes, how many fucking people in the state have lupus? This is ridiculous. Um, she's like, two do- uh, doctors take two classes before they go to medical school. And then when they have to renew their license, they have to, um, they have to keep taking these two classes. How to make a patient wait and how to be completely illegible <laughs> all the time. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it all makes sense now. <laughs> they take classes on how to make you wait. I don't know how a doctor who has only five patients can make someone wait for four hours. When all these patients come in for you know a routine physical or a cold or a flu, they come in there, you feel the lymph nodes, you look in the throat, and you're like, oh, you're sick. All right, here's some medicine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the worst part is that virtually in every case, you're just treating symptoms. So it's not like you're trying to figure out a cure for something. It's, uh, it's it's infuriating. All right. Well, um, also next week, if I can sort of jump past here uh, after this episode, I'm going to be going on uh, this year's man camp. And if you've heard in the past, it's just essentially just a bunch of me and my buddies going out and, and camping in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Um, yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> it would be if there was any penetration. <laughs> hey, hey. There may be this that. There's always hope. <laughs> Uh, this might be the one. Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back in time in order to do next week's show on time. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Um, but if not, then we may have, you know, a day late episode, which I think has only happened once in the entire history of this show. So that would be pretty shocking if it happened this time. Um, so, you know, wait for it if not, but, um, we can go ahead and, uh, I guess, dive into nine cents letters if you want. Well, that's commendable. You're, um, your commitment to schedule. I wish I had that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of an obsessive compulsive for sure. Like it's, it's the, I, I need to get this out because I just have this, I, I have to fulfill this quota I've set for myself. But then the, like, it, it's easy just to, it's easy just to bullshit for an hour, but you want to actually make it entertaining or you want to inform someone about something. That's what makes it complex and uh, take a little bit more planning and stuff. So, and it's awesome that you have a uh, you have this man camp thing. It's um, not enough people take a vacation with their buddies where it's like, all right, we're gonna go out, we're gonna bro it out, it's gonna be great. You know, no, no pussy for a week. We're gonna we're gonna masturbate the good old fashioned way. <laughs> it's gonna be nice. I've done this like a number of of year. I think like I think this is gonna be like the fourth or fifth year that we've done this. Um, and there's it's just a the core of three people, and then we each invite someone new, um, for each one. But uh. Yeah, like in the third year, uh, one of my buddies was like, "So, did you go beat off?" 
I'm like, fuck are you talking about? Did I go beat that up? Awesome. Like, you've seen me the whole... What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I did. I had the, I had the wife send me some pictures uh, on my phone before we left, and I, I was spanking it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is supposed to be... We're like, I don't want to think about my buddy right behind me in the tent spanking it. Well, don't think about it. Just enjoy the information. God knows I do. All, most of my friends are straight, and I'm like, so, how do you jack off? Like, do you lay on your stomach and kind of fuck your hand? Do you is, uh, is lay that... on your back and stretch your legs? You know, you... Do you... <laughs> yeah. I like to point my toes. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm I... the same way. I str- I have to stretch out. I need to feel some kind of tension because there's yeah. no dick in my ass. You know, There's no tension going on. <laughs> oh, no. And it's kind of hard to master. You know, we're going to have this conversation. It's kind of <laughs> hard. <is> happening. <laughs> it's kind of hard to masturbate with a dildo. Let me tell you. Whoa. It's, yeah, I can imagine. Even even with a suction cup where you don't have to hold it. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you got to bend over and you got to hop back and forth. It's kind of like having a lazy top. It's like, well, what the hell am I doing this for? God I feel damn. a little bit too much like Richard Simmons. Back and forth. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. oh, all right. Oh, disco sweat. Those were the days. I was eight years old. Nice. Oh no, I I, I actually had a soldier, and this conversation came up. Completely inappropriate. I had a soldier who said that he used his hands like a diamond pattern to to masturbate, and I never understood that because, like, how do you you're you're essentially just fucking like the blankets or yeah whatever's underneath you. I doesn't that hurt? Like, isn't that damaging? Yeah, it will desensitize you. Like dry, I'm a dry jerker, and it's desensitized me. So it's like when I top a guy, it's I have to go full fucking. I feel sorry for the boy's butt by the time I'm done with it. <laughs> I have to go full fucking force, or I'm just I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go limp in the condom. It's gonna suck. <laughs> if, if I don't say UPK motherfucker once, you know there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, no, uh, this guy I fucked around with in Boy Scouts. Um, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh man, I slept with half my trip. It was bad. You know what's funny though? Come to find out, when I got older, out of the few guys that I didn't sleep with in Boy Scouts, not one of the men I slept with were gay. The gay ones never fell for my trick. Wow. And I and I saw them at the gay club. I got really mad at them too. I'm like, you left me hanging <laughs> all by myself. We hiked up to Mount Tipanakanika. Seriously, we hiked up to the sat um what was it called? The Tooth of Time in fucking Colorado. And you <laughs> let me suck straight. You know what? I think some of these guys cried when we were done. <laughs> felt so bad. No. They're like, what did I do? What oh am I gonna do my dad? I'm like, well, you're not gonna tell me shit, man. Why I wouldn't tell my dad at 14. <laughs> hey, now guess what I did during Boy Scouts? Oh, you're killing me. This, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh yeah, it was it was good time. I had it, a really really uh, gay troop as well, and and like everyone I talked to about it, they were like, no, that never happens. I don't know what you're talking about. No, never, never. I was like, no, this has to be more than just mine. So it's nice to hear that I wasn't the only one. Well, when people say, oh, of course that shit happens in scouts, but, you know, it's it's kind of like, of course that shit happens in the army. Uh, you know, um, I have friends that are soldiers, and they're like, oh, yeah, that shit happens, but it's not because it happens because soldiers are gay. It's because you have a few guys that know how to play straight men like a fucking fiddle. And straight men are easier to get into bed than gay guys are. That's the funny part. That's ridiculous. Uh, well, if you know what you're doing, everything's easy. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, no, totally, totally lost it. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's, uh, let's hold some of our uh, let's not blow our wad here in the intro. <laughs> All right. Let's hold a little for Melissa Rossi. Um, let's dive into Nine Cents Letters. Though I am an active member, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. Alright, so another Nine Cents Letters. This is going to be about solipsism. And this is the letter I got. Uh, hey Adam, after listening to last week's episode of Nine Cents and hearing you and Aaron give your thoughts on the satanic statement of responsibility to the responsible without concern for psychic vampires, I was curious if you would do an episode... Um, excuse me, I just burped <laughs> right in the microphone. Uh, if you could do an episode uh, uh, going your take on the... What? Uh, I, I think I what you mean. Yeah. Uh, it, give us your take on solipsism. I'm a bit hazy on that sin. It's basically saying, or is it basically saying, do not be the closed-minded person who thinks everyone should have the same mindset and anyone who doesn't think like you is inferior. Uh, I'm just a tad confused on the meaning, you loyal listener. Well, first of all, thank you very much for writing in. I appreciate it. And I've already, I've already replied to some of uh, this individual's um, letters. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of compelled to speak to this specifically. But I did briefly... And you'd have to go way back to 2011 um, in uh, the 24th of April episode. I did briefly talk about the nine satanic sins, and that's where solipsism comes up. So what I'd like to do is differentiate between the way that Satanists see solipsism and Webster Dictionary sees solipsism, because I think that that is potentially part of the confusion. And uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. I'm not entirely sure why why it's defined a little bit differently uh, for Satanists, but let me give you the Webster Dictionary, and then I'll give you the um, Satanist, and then we can just uh, uh, definitions, and then we can discuss it. So the Webster, uh, this is MerriamWebster.com, and solipsism: a theory holding that the self can know nothing but its own modifications, and that the self is the only existent thing. Also, extreme egocentrism. And the way that Anton LaVey defined it, um, certainly with the nine satanic sins, is solipsism can be very dangerous for Satanists. Projecting your reactions, responses, and sensibilities onto someone who is probably far less attuned than you are. It is the mistake of expecting people to give you the same consideration, courtesy, and respect that you naturally give them. They won't. Instead, Satanists must strive to apply the dictum of do unto others as they do unto you. It's work for most of us, and it requires constant vigilance, lest you slip into a comfortable illusion of everyone being like you. Um, as has been said, certain utopias could be, would be ideal in a, a nation of philosophers, but unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately from a Machiavellian standpoint, we are, no, we are far from that point. So the way that Anton LaVey has defined solipsism in the Nine Satanic Sins is projecting the way that you see the world onto others and expecting them to react the same way that you react to things or to think the same way that you think. And so that is a very, very different way of defining it than uh, the common dictionary way. I mean, y there are parallels that you can, uh, 
that you can sort of dance on. Um, okay, so solipsism, uh, Adin, what do you uh, have? Have you ever run across this? How would you, how would you describe it, or how would you express it to someone? Well, I love philosophy. So um, solipsism, when I when I first came across Satanism, I came across it from a philosophical standpoint, and um, and I thought it was really weird that solipsism was considered a sin. Uh, the solipsism as de- it's being defined in the dictionary, the quote you used, it's uh, discussing metaphysical solipsism. Um, you know, nothing exists except my own mind because that's all I'm sure that exists. How do I know that my, um, how do I know that any of this is real? It's the, it's almost like a brain in a vat argument. It's a matrix thing. How do you know that this table is here when you're relying only on your mind? Or how do I know that anybody else exists when you're only relying on your mind? Um, so it, uh, LeVay didn't use it that way. He, um, it, it took quite a bit of research and reading for me to he use, it seemed he used infant solipsism. Um, infants are the most egotistical thing on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they don't, they, the reason they cry so much when, you know, you play pickaboo or when they're so entertained is they, they cannot, imagine they truly think you disappeared <laughs> yeah and yeah. if something if if they get a new experience it's really intense because they have no judgment of it it's it's very mom uh, and um god damn it i've been drinking too uh, <laughs> momentary it's uh it's they project what, whatever they feel whatever they think it must be true for everybody i think most of us can relate or remember so when we were kids, we'd, we'd look at the sun or the moon. Well, hopefully not the sun. But you know, we'd look uh, directly at the moon. <laughs> I'm lying! And go, why is it following me? Yeah. Do you remember doing that as a kid? I yeah. did that till I was yeah. like 12. <laughs> <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. It's not following me? What yeah. the fuck? Sorry, sorry. sorry to break that <laughs> egoism. No! <laughs> but it just, uh, that, that's the kind of solipsism I think LeVay was talking about don't don't be a baby and it's almost a remedy to self-righteousness i hold certain values um and i have to remind myself that not everybody holds these values uh satanism says morals are relative so just because a system of values works for you doesn't mean it should work for other people i think being straight is a mental illness but i'm not gonna hold anybody else to that standard (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's why i'm sick (laughs) i'm straight <laughs> deal with women and you procreated <laughs> hey pussy and i'm fucked up uh, <laughs> no that that's actually in in taking it from that angle I, I i've never really thought of it that way so this is very interesting so as an infant um we we see the world as uh, uh a and b yes and no uh, f- true and false as we grow hopefully you're being able to separate yourself from your immediate reactions and develop your brain so that you can start to see perspectives and you can start to see things from different angles. Um, if you're a Satanist, you know, there's that, that, you know, we see things from the third side, the third perspective. Um, you should be able to to step back and, and look at any given situation and realize that I'm thinking this way, but the world doesn't think this way. And as Satanists, 
we're almost forced into this. So, so it's easy to fall into this way of thinking when you're talking about politics or when you're talking about, um, uh, general moral situations, uh, with anyone because there's, there's things that we see as common sense. There's, there's, there's truths that we find as obvious, but the world doesn't see it that way. And, and, and the majority of people don't see it that way. So, so when we see, uh, these weird invisible man believers worshiping and, and committing heinous, uh, crimes, for this invisible man, we can't understand it, but that's their world. They're, they're being solipsistic, thinking that this is the way the world is. This is the way that everyone must see the world. And so I must commit this crime in order to force them to see the, you know, the way a child and infant still sees it. Um, it's a remedy for self-righteousness. It's, uh, it's what, uh, it's, you can actually, uh, talk about all the nine, uh, nine satanic sins with this. It's the nine satanic sins are not objective wrongs. Uh, Satanism doesn't really deal with the objective universe um, all too much. So they, we pretty much leave that to the realm of science. Um, well, yeah. to, to be brief, we can, we right. can say that. It's, um, it, it's, so with the sins, it's we can't hold anybody else to those values, we can only hold ourselves to it and use that as a barometer of how we judge people. Uh, my closest friends and I, we don't have all the same values, but we understand that the, uh, we thought about our morality. Was, well, if they're my friends, they fucking did. And uh, <laughs> we thought about the standards we hold to ourselves, and we remember that these systems work for us as individuals. Not, uh, we can't say, oh, you're just wrong. Sometimes we have to say, well, that makes sense for someone like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did want to point out that um, this line uh, that he wrote kind of threw me here. Um, it's basically saying, do not be the closed-minded person who thinks everyone should have the same mindset and anyone who doesn't think like you is inferior. I don't, I don't think inferiority has anything to do with it. I mean, that's an individual stance to take. It could be insanity. It, it could be any any adjective that differentiates you from them the way that they see things. Um, it's it's just that idea that because I see things clearly, then I must be inherently better than you. Um, that I think can also be a fallacy, and and it's easy to slip into that um, the the state of superiority without anything backing it. Oh, I, I think I kind of disagree. Oh, really? Um, well, as, as don't we think we're better than a lot of people by our very nature, being Satanists? Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's easy to fall into a position of um, worth without having done anything. Like, oh, I, I'm special because I am me and I am a Satanist. I identify as a Satanist. And no matter what you say, um, it is below me and you're inferior but the reality is, is unless you have done something in your life to give you that ego, just calling yourself a Satanist should not be carte blanche to be superior. Oh, I know, no. I know a, a number of Satanists that I've met, um, I, both in person and online, and especially, I'm sure everyone has met them online, that are uh, fucking retarded. Oh like, yeah. Horribly retarded. <laughs> so just because you identify as a Satanist does not 
inherently make you superior. That no. it's your accomplishments, your your value uh, that you put into your work ethic. It's 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 your achievements, uh, meeting of goals that you've defined for yourself, it's meeting success on your own terms. That is what can lead you to sense of superiority. But solipsism should not be, or identifying as a Satanism should you know defining solipsism should not be the the end all to what is inferior or superior i mean i i just want to make sure that because that that confused me a little bit when i read it yeah there's um it this is my personal point of view it's when i first read about being a satanist versus the uh concept of being the alien elite it's i thought these were two classes or a class within um uh the group of uh, the group being us satanists um being as, like you said, being a Satanist only makes you special in as much as, well, you're an individual, but so so are a lot of other people. Um, it's, it's me calling myself gay doesn't mean anything beyond, well, it's just an it's easier to have a conversation when I can identify certain qualities about myself to effectively communicate. Um, we call grass grass and we don't have to t discuss what else it could be called. <laughs> yeah. When I say grass, we all know what I'm talking about. When I say Satanist, you know what I mean. When You're I talking say about gay, right? <laughs> no, no I'm talking about heroin, Adam. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> totally different definitions. <laughs> I was being solipsistic. I'm sorry. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, see, there we go. <laughs> but it's it, a lot of people fall into that. Thing, well, I'm a Satanist, therefore I'm better. No, yeah. you're different. You've identified your personality. Now see what you can do with it. And being an alien elite means you're different and you're capable. Therefore, you're better. It's um, put your money where your mouth is. You, you think you're better than everybody else? Fucking prove it. Let's go. Show me the goods. Um, you know, like me, hey, I can I can drink with the best of them. Ah, I'm better than you. <laughs> I don't see too many other men taking big dicks up their ass. Ah, I'm better. Oh, man. I'm better. <laughs> You'd cry like a baby. Adam. Everyone can take dicks <laughs> like I do. I'm solipsistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I, I, I do hope that this clarifies it. It's, it, it's certainly when you're it's sort of giving side by side comparisons of definitions, it, it can be a little bit confusing. Um, what I like to do is, is, is take things at, at, at its, its value as it's written. So if if it's Anton LaVey talking about solipsism, then I'm going to defer to his definition because that's going to help me understand the idea that he's trying to share. Um, if I read too much into it, and this is something that I learned in the military, don't read into things. Life itself is so simple if you just look at the core of, of what the expression is. Don't add your own bullshit into it. Don't add your own emotional reactions or your own life history to what someone says. Understand that they aren't seeing it through your lens. They're just expressing it through their own. And you have to pay attention to what their lens is in order to fully understand it. So when you're reading writings from Nietzsche, uh, focus on who he is and the way he's expressing himself. Don't, don't, don't add your own baggage onto it. Uh, and, and certainly... When you're reading LeVay, focus on what he is actually saying. And this is, seems to be the hardest thing for anyone reading. It's certainly just something as, as basic as the Satanic Bible. Is you, you want to add on to it you know, what, what Satanism was to you as you were taught growing up by your parents or by your friends. You want to add on your own personal experience to what it is. And that's led to a 
bunch of historical bullshit in Satanism. So don't add your own baggage to anything. Take it for what it's taught to you. Take it for how it's explained to you. And solipsism, take it for how Anton LaVey wrote it, and you will absolutely understand the concept. But I do also, as a sort of a closing thought here, I want to throw this in the mix as well. Whether you're talking about the 11 rules of the earth, or you're talking about the nine satanic sins. These were sort of tongue-in-cheek additions uh, to Satanism. They were ideas that helped explain Satanism. It helped um, uh, round out the philosophy that Anton LaVey codified. Um, they're not actual, you, you don't have to do penance if you find yourself being solipsistic. You don't have to say hell, out of what, hail Satans, I guess it would be, instead of hail Marys. Uh, <laughs> no, 11 hail Satans. You have to say 28. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And you have to get down on your knees and then stand back up and do the hokey pokey. That's what you got to do. Or like Michael Rose said, you have to uh, roll around on the floor and and cry like a big baby. (laughs) Okay, well, apparently you do have to do that. Yeah. But so I I hope that explains things. Um, Very much don't add your baggage to Satanism because it is clear and it is pristine if you just read it as it is written. It really is one of the most easy. It really is one of the easiest uh, philosophical books to yeah, I mean, understand, accept, and Satanism is an open philosophical system. And the these other the the sins and the laws were they augmented the philosophy, like you said, it rounded it out. Yeah. It was um, or pentagonal. Uh, yeah, pentagonal yeah, religionism. That's it. <laughs> um, I just oh sort of slurred it out. So. <laughs> no Good, we're in the same boat. I like this. Um, <laughs> it's application of the philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not objective truths. There's there are suggestions. There are things that work for us, not for really anybody else. Though I wish other people did. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's one thing to think you're better because you thought about your value system. Like I can't be called self-righteous. Sorry, I am better than you. Yeah. Because uh, I sat down and I thought about what I hold valuable. Um, I'm not better than you because I hold these things valuable. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I hope I hope that that's clear as fog <laughs> for him. And again, uh, all of you who are listening, feel free to write in. If it's something that I think that I haven't talked about before, I would be happy to address it. Um, and if it's something that I've talked about before, I will answer you just via the, the you know email or whatever you sent to me so um it helps it it's so it, i think of this as if uh, I'm, I'm in a college course and it's maybe apropos because satanism demands study not worship um uh if you have a question chances are someone else has the question and and they just don't want to ask it they're just making an assumption that they have the answer. So if you have a question, hell, I'm not saying that I'm the best one to answer it. I'm, I'm probably near the, the least qualified to answer it. But I will research the answer and I will give you an answer uh, per the quality of the rest of this show. So if it's something that you would like to hear, then please, by all means. If it's something that I cannot speak to, then I will forward it to others who may be able to speak to it. And I can't promise their reactions, whether they'll respond or not. But I will promise to forward it on. So I, I, I would like to keep the dialogue going because this is what I'm talking about when I refer to the greater satanic conversation. 
It is us actually talking about the philosophy, about our interpretations, how we've seen it throughout our whole lives, and how it was supposed to be um, expressed, and and uh, um, really how it was originally written. So this is what part of what this sh makes this show special is that we we actually have a back and forth with the audience, and um, I appreciate it when you write in. Thank you very much. I have to say, as a longtime listener, it was uh, when David Harris went off the air. I was so disappointed because he um, he uh, really helped my understanding of Satanism. And then you showed up on the scene and you've done the same. Um, so now I, I and the fact that they asked about this, this was one of the most confusing sins to me because I understood what the philosophy of solipsism was, but I didn't understand what the how, why LeVay referred to it as solipsism. Yeah. So it was fantastic. It was a fantastic question. Great. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the Infernal Informant. Mm-hmm. Psst. Hey, 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 come here. Psst. What? Huh? Me? Do I know you? Hey, you're a religious man, aren't you? No more than anyone else. Listen, listen, I got a secret. It's, it's been eating me up and I gotta share it with someone. Get the fuck out of here, kid. I don't know you. No, listen, man. It's about you. It's about your life. You're about to have what, what alcoholics refer to as your moment of clarity. What are you talking about? Are you okay, son? Sins are indisposable. Every society organized on an ecclesiastical basis. They are the only reliable weapons of power. The priest lives upon sins. It's it's necessary to him that there be sinning. Who the fuck are you, kid? I'm your infernal informant. Alright, so this is the Huffington Post. Obama comes out against dog breed specific legislation, joins the fight for pits bull. <laughs> pits bulls, plural pits. They have <laughs> like three R pits. Uh, this is by Aaron Greenwood. <laughs> this is going to be a disaster. Uh, and this was posted on the 20th. What was that? It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate I hate articles written like this because they always throw in the stu Okay, you, you'll see what I'm saying. Tails are wagging in Washington this week. <laughs> ah! Not only did the Obama family introduce Sonny the pup to her adoring country. Yeah, I bet I bet the majority of the country is certainly adoring Sonny the pup. Like they couldn't wait for the president to announce, I got another puppy. Who yeah, fucking I believe it. I so believe many... it if you look at what's trending. <laughs> oh really? I fucking believe it. I... Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely detest this world. If this is what's... We have so many horrible things going on in our world right now. And this is what people are trending. Yep. It's the puppy. Okay. It's sunny. All right. But the White House also came out against breed-specific legislation, regulations, and laws that restrict ownership of dogs by breed, pit bulls being the most common target. Groups like the American Bar Association have said for years that these sorts of restrictions do harm to families, to dogs, to due process, and to the economy, without actually improving public safety. Based mm -hmm. on a statement the White House put out about a week ago, it would seem that Obama agrees. Breed-specific legislation is a bad idea, begins the White House official response to an online petition signed by more than 30,000 people. That's it? Only 30,000? I, I feel like if it's an online petition, there should be a lot more than 30,000. Oh no, they're too busy worrying about One Direction and what Lady Gaga's new song is and <laughs> what's, what's the hottest thing at Macy's I need to buy. Yeah. That bullshit. And worrying about the fucking president's dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Alright, well let me give you the exact um, response, which is the core of why this article was written. 
We don't support breed-specific legislation. Uh, research shows that bans on certain types of dogs are largely ineffective and often a waste of public resources. In 2000, the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention looked at 20 years of data about dog bites and human fatalities in the United States. They found that fatal attacks represent a very small proportion of dog bite injuries to people and that it's virtually impossible to calculate bite rates for specific breeds. The CDC also noted that types of people who look to exploit dogs aren't deterred by breed regulations. When their communities establish a ban, these people just seek out new unregulated breeds. And the simple fact is that the dogs of any breed can become dangerous where they're, when they're intentionally or unintentionally raised to be aggressive. For all those reasons, the CDC officially recommends against breeding-specific legislation, which they call inappropriate. You can read more about them here, there's a link, and an appropriate, I'm sorry, an alternative to breed-specific policies, the CDC recommends a community-based approach to prevent dog bites, and ultimately, we think, that a much more, comp I'm sorry, promising way to build stronger communities, pets, and pet owners. Don't you know, Adam, that one death is a tragedy? Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is a statistic. <laughs> nice. It's true. It's nice. You can you can rally around one person when there's a face. When it's a group, it's kind of an idea. It's lost. You can't focus as well. Yeah. Um okay, so I've actually run into this. I'm I'm a dog guy. I've had dogs growing up my whole life. And when I first started dating my wife, we went and picked out this wolf hybrid. Uh, and it was Fenris, beautiful dog. Uh, truly, he just kind of looked like a long-legged um, German Shepherd, but smart as a fucking tag. I mean, this this Wolf dog is sharp. Yeah. Um, so we we took it, and in Utah, if you tell your vet that it's a wolf hybrid of any sort, they are by law supposed to put it down. Uh, they don't even have to tell you that they're going to put it what? down. What? Yeah, because it's illegal to have a, a wild animal as a pet. And a wolf is considered a wild animal. It's, but it is. It's not a wolf. <laughs> so this is. I mean, this is part of the the breed specific legislations that are really prevalent all around the world right now, and more appropriately around the U.S. right now, where you know they say that pit bulls are more aggressive than others, and I feel like people who say this have never actually raised a dog, or they weren't raised around animals. My old neighbors have two. Uh, well, Sadie, that they finally had to put her down. Unfortunately, she was an albino and she was deaf. And we we know albino animals, even albino humans, any animal that's an albino tends to have ridiculous health problems, including mental ones. Um, Sadie, after five years of them trying, finally had to be put down. She was she really was dangerous. Um, but they have two other pit bulls. I've never had a problem with them. I used to walk them. Because I was home all day and they worked all day and they were they're great animals. I saw them yesterday and I rolled around the floor, you know, and they were snarling at me and then they would lick my face and it was nice. <laughs> but they did they did this to another breed I think in the 70s and it wasn't pit bulls it was another dog, um, and I can't I, I'm sorry I can't remember the breed, but they they do this every so often. It's a new villain. Yeah. yeah you got to have one in politics. Got to have one in religion. Got to have one in entertainment. And you got to have one. For pets, it's you know, <laughs> save me, my big babysitter, <laughs> from the dangerous things that I decided to put into my own home, like another sentient being. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I do understand that you know they're not trying to protect you from having in your home because chances are you're the one raising the aggressive animal rather than you know the the um the, being the you know 
victim here. What they're trying to protect against are unintended bites from animals. And I, and when I when I said these, you know, it, it it's probably by people who haven't been raised around animals that much. It's because you you teach your. It's like it's like human beings, and and yeah. I'm probably not gonna be very popular for saying this, but it's like having kids. If you treat <laughs> them like like valuable entities, then they will respond as valuable entities. If you treat them as worthless shit, then they will react like worthless shit. And all of us, emotionally, psychologically, we are empty vessels that are filled up with our surroundings. We are we are filled up with the with the values of the culture that we have been raised in, with a society that helps push their values into us. And then we get to a point of adulthood where we sort of sort through them, find out what works and what doesn't work, and make our own choices. Largely, animals don't get that. They don't have that higher thinking capacity that human beings do. Um, at least that's my take on it. And they they literally just are receptacles for emotion and behavior. And when you treat them good, then they act good. If you treat them poorly and violently and aggressively, then that's how they're raised. I mean, it, it's it's really like the simple idea that seems to be lost on a on a society that is as advanced as ours. They, uh, uh, the way I raised my cat, um, well, he he was always a snob. <laughs> cat. Kind of why I like him. Yeah, my cat. He's not very lovey dovey. Like he uh, he hisses at my ex now, from like a <laughs> month after we split to this very day. Um, he hisses at him. Um, I, I disagree with you that animals are empty vessels. They're they're just as much as learned. And um, the more science uncovers about different species, the more they realize that really we're not as special mentally as we thought we are. Um, we just uh, just did a few things. <laughs> I'm sorry, a few a few human beings did a few things, and everybody else benefited from it. Um, but no, I, I I agree with you. If you if you treat something like shit, it's gonna act like shit. That's why we get ghettos full of white trash and black trash and any other color trash you want to think of. Brown. Um, Brown trash. Personally, I love brown trash. When I walk through the ghetto, I hope to get raped. Um, yeah, I, I said it. <laughs> but it's it, things, things like this article really pissed me. I'm looking at my cat, and he's he's on the floor. He's stretched out in front of me. But you know, if you um if you go anywhere near his Johnson, he'll he'll probably bite you. And then someone would want to put him down. Your cat bit me. Well, you tried to touch his dick. Of course, he's gonna bite you. You know, if I if I go into what? someone's house and it, I know there's a dog in the yard and the dog is, I think, hopefully raised to defend the area, I may get attacked. I should probably wait for the owner to come out and greet me. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, it's it, it seems it it should be obvious. These are animals that th throughout human history have been our, our guardians and our companions. They've hunted with us. They've protected yeah. us. We have them there for that purpose. I mean, we we sort of live in a society where it's cool to carry them around in a purse, but the reality yeah. is, is that they're they're creatures that have been bred for a specific purpose, and we we breed them so that they can be effective for that purpose. So to just willy nilly walk into someone's house that has a dog, or to aggressively approach someone with a dog and not expect to get bit is 
you deserve to be bit. Like, you should fucking know better as a human yeah. being. Absolutely. These, um, it's, it's scary how many people don't know that dogs are not a natural breed or that cats are not a natural thing. We invented these two things. <laughs> it's really terrible. I swear to God, Adam, go around town, especially in your goddamn town, <laughs> and ask people, did God make dogs? I'll wear a white shirt, black tie, so that they'll open the door, and then I'll ask them. <laughs> there you go. Hello, brothers <laughs> and sisters. Why did God make dogs? <laughs> my my grandmother, who's a who's a devout Muslim, she's like, God made dogs. We go, oh my God, Teta, I swear to God. Zito, haram, no. God did not make dogs. <laughs> uh, but you're right. They, they were bred, dogs were bred for companionship and to kill things. Cat, same with cats. They were bred to keep um, temples and houses clean of mice. Yeah, rodents. Uh, yeah, they're they're they are they're actually both. They're kind of both like vacuum cleaners with guns attached. It's pretty cool. <laughs> As my cat rolls over and yawns at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, obviously, we're both we love our own animals, and so we we obviously are taking a stance of well, we're responsible owners, and so we we understand that animals don't just go out and bite people for no reason unless you. Fucking neglect them and abuse them. Yeah. Like that's the only time they're gonna do that. And so it's not it's not the breed. It doesn't matter if it's a fucking uh chihuahua or a pit bull. It's how you treat them or your absence of, of teaching them that's gonna breed that behavior. And and we should if we're gonna be if we're gonna be outlawing breeds of dogs, then we should be outlawing I'm sorry, outlaw outlawing um I don't I don't know, maybe families of humans. I, I mean, think so. <laughs> let's look at the the people, you know, let's say half of the violent offenders in prison, we just outlaw their lines and force sterilize them. We ban the breeding of them. I mean, it, if we're going to do it to animals, let's do it to all animals. Yeah, when I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, uh when I first heard about uh LeVay and the lion and the whole uh, the whole story about the lion being removed from his house is I couldn't help but think to myself if that lion had attacked Levey and Levey got seriously injured whose fault would that be? Yeah. Um. And which which I if I remember right he admitted to she you know his is uh the pretty blonde girl that uh that piece of piece of shit what's her name doesn't matter um <laughs> but you'll see her in the Satanist documentary the the pretty blonde um. She, you know, she she had been attacked. It's when you own another sentient being, you're taking responsibility for the interactions you have with them. And uh, it's it really legislation like this in general pisses me off. Um, and this goes with anything like uh, drugs or gun ownership. Also, you my babysitter does not have the right. It's actually kind of sad that I have to call them a babysitter. The government does not have the right to tell me what danger I can put myself in. God damn it, if I want to own a snake that could strangle me in my sleep, I should probably take full responsibility when I wake up dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah um, I think, I think they, they try to do this to some reptiles too, which pisses um, Darren Deicide off. There's things that he wants to own that he can't because it's, it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, just it's I, stupid. 
I do love it bot. because it's it's always hidden behind the guise of of general public safety, where you know, well, it may not strangle you in your sleep, but what about your neighbors? What about the people around you? Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> I I can't help but think like. Why would the snake ignore you and then, like, go across town and kill someone else? Like, your food there. Like, you are there. You, you're going to be... And yes, of course, that you know, there are anecdotal stories of, of any animal that you may own going out and assaulting another human being, that, and they never acted that way to you. But again, it comes back to the responsibility of the owner. So that they have to... Um, pay reparations or um, criminal neg- face criminal negligence or they have to pay for that action. You, you can't blame a snake for acting like a snake. You can't blame a, a, a rabid dog who's been taught to be a rabid dog for acting like a fucking rabid dog. The fucking owners should pay for that shit. And I think this, this goes through to all humans. Certainly, I'm sorry, all animals, certainly human beings. If your child, who is not an adult yet, behaves a certain way you are fucking responsible as the parent as the quote-unquote owner until they're an adult and you should pay for that not the animal not the the child who yes they should be punished for what they did but they're not the one that led them down that path you are as the owner or the parent like you have to you have to be able to if you're going to own it if you're going to have it then you have to take responsibility for it and it's not up to the species that does it. It's not up to the the ethnicity of the person. It has everything to do with the individual circumstance of their how they have been treated by their surroundings, including, most importantly, parents, if they're even a part in the scene, um, or abused by that surrounding or those parents. And, you know, we sort of harp on it over and over again, but that's where it lies. That's where responsibility lies. It, 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 you, you cannot train an animal to be violent and then say it's just the breed you you did it you can't have your cake you can eat it too this is a human society built for people and the legal definition of what a person is is of extreme i think people underestimate the importance of the abortion argument because you're talking about personhood um corporations are considered persons they're people and animals are not Children are not considered persons either. That's why they don't have the right to vote. Um, this class, this, this designation is a very, very important conversation. So when we say that animals are not persons in law, they're not people, they do not have rights, not the way human beings do, right. um, then you're absolutely right, Adam. You have to take the, the owner, the individual must take responsibility for the object if a lamp electrocutes somebody because and there is no difference in law um uh, well in specifics there is but uh for brevity i'll I'll say there is no difference between a lamp and a cat there there isn't it's an object it is private property that's why if uh, my neighbor poisoned my cat he could be arrested for damage to private property not murder and not assault (laughs) it's <laughs> crazy i just actually looked at the clock and we're, we, we've got to stop we've got to move on um we're like an hour in <laughs> so this is actually from bloomberg and uh it was by roger runningen 
and Sela Brush uh, posted the 25th of August. Um, Obama administration has concluded Syrian President Bashar al-Assad's regime probably used chemical weapons against civilians, calling an agreement today to let the United Nations inspectors review the area. Not credible. Okay, so I mean, the headline of this, obviously, U.S. says Syria used chemical arms as U.N. plans inspection. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through the entire um, article here. I, I will say this. Um, going to try to wrap this up a little bit faster than normal just because of the time here. Right. Um, the U.S. has drawn a red line in the sand, according to our President Barack Obama, where if Syria uses chemical weapons against its own populace, then uh, that is unacceptable and there will be dire consequences. Um, what's the definition of dire consequences? Well, we don't really know. Nothing's happened yet. We've had a scare, and I've done a news article on this when it happened, that they had used, but the U.S., because we don't want to get in a conflict with Syria, has said, well, it's not sufficient evidence, and there's people doubting that it actually happened, so we sort of ignored it and brushed it under the rug. Well, it's happened again, and this time we have a lot of actual video. You can actually go to YouTube and look at video of these chemical uh, attack sites, which is probably the fuel behind this resurgence in fire of us responding um, appropriately. So the U.S., France, and England are trying to figure out how we're going to deal with this. The U.N. is going in, and uh, Syria officials have approved the U.N. to go in to inspect the site, which is nearly a week after the attack. So if you know anything about any chemical it's, it's chances of it still being in the area are, are very slim to none. But point being that there are over around 1300 people that were killed in Damascus suburbs because of this alleged chemical attack. And so I sort of take the stance as in uh, Syria has been going through a civil war. We've been arming the rebels for quite some time. Um, why the, why the fuck don't we just let this play out? Like, like what's what's the best case scenario? The the rebels come into power because Darren Deicide did an entire agent provocateur about this, and that's not a good thing. If the rebels win, there's there's no one no saying who's going to be the new dictator or tyrant running Syria. Bashar al-Assad, we know this monster. We know what he's capable of, and he actually has ties to some of our greatest enemies right now who are arming him and allowing him to perpetuate this behavior. So as a country who is just winding down but still heavily involved in Iraq, believe it or not, and is still involved in Afghanistan, believe it or not, um, along with, you know, all of the South American bullshit that we have going on that no one likes to talk about, um, w are we okay to have another war? Like, because what is it going to take for us to stop this? We're not just going to have to go in and bomb them. It's going to take more than us arming rebels, which we've been doing, obviously. It's going to take more than a few drone strikes. We're actually going to have to have feet on the ground. And that, that, I don't think the American public, especially with the president who at this point is thinking about his legacy, not about what's best for the country right now. Mm -hmm. That's not a situation we want to be in. And so you have you have senators like uh, McCain, and um, I'm sorry I'm, I'm skimming skimming this article. Um, Graham, 
they're demanding some form of response. We have to get involved. We have to have some sort of limited military response. But what is that? And, Lim- limited military response. Right. How, how vague can you be? <laughs> so, you know, if you were Obama, I mean, what would you do? I'd keep my nose out of other people's goddamn business. <laughs> we, we, um, this is a little bit on personal politics for me. It's if you're going to recognize, which as Policy America does, um, recognize uh, separate states, um, and they have uh, that that are sovereign. If a country decides to gas its own citizens, we have no right to interfere. We don't. And as one leader, I can't remember the names of the president or the other leader. Um, there was a conversation, I think it was a UN situation where a bunch of leaders were talking and an American president said, I don't like that you, um, I don't like that you let, oh, that's what it was. It was about uh, child prostitution. I don't like that you let this in your country. And he goes, and you have, you can say this to me. Let's go through the shit that you do to your citizens and let's see if you (laughs) are on any kind of moral ground. It's like what Malcolm X said, the white man has no he can't he can't say shit to black people for what he did in uh, during the sixties. Um, it's it's the same situation. No, we're under no moral obligation to do anything to fund anybody. I completely agree with Darren Deanside in his last um, agent provocateur. I've I fucking loved it when he when he uh, read it to me. Um, <laughs> but. It's, no, we, we have no moral ground. We we should keep our nose to ourselves. We are our own country, and these are – it's like dealing with individual people. Let those fucking bastards do whatever they want. And, of course, you know, this is a, this is a global society to an extent, unfortunately. So the what another country does on the other side of the planet will have repercussions here, and we should do our best to make sure those repercussions are minimal which is why military is important for defense, not for aggression. Um, so no, g- gas your citizens, bomb your homes, do whatever the fuck you want. Just leave us goddamn out of it. This is exactly what ha- um, what happened with, uh, goddamn, what was his name? Osama. <laughs> <laughs> I was in eighth grade when it happened, okay? I didn't care too much. I was just removed from school because I was Arabic. Um, but... It's the exact same thing. We're going to create a bunch of new problems. And I guess maybe this is what's called this is maybe this is what Obama meant when he said job creation. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Maybe this is what it is. Oh, we need more soldiers and we need more intelligence. We need more engineers. Look, I'm helping the economy. Yeah. It it is weird because there's there's the angle that the majority of Americans take that as I understand it where <clears throat> It's a moral obligation to prevent suffering around the world. But, I mean, that in and of itself is solipsism. We're making this judgment that everyone wants to live in a society that, as we live in it. I mean, if we just, if we just stop for a second and realize that we are one of the youngest countries on the scene and, and realize that what we do is radical and different and it it is so foreign to what everyone else has done for the history of mankind that 
how can we just think that everyone wants it? How can we just assume that everyone's okay with it? I had a soldier in the army, and and this was during um uh right after nine eleven, where uh, George Bush was trying to make some arguments about going into Iraq to um, spread democracy and force them to be a democracy because we need democracy in the Middle East. They deserve it. And we got to save those Arabs. Yeah. Well, my soldier was was telling me, and he was a brand new soldier into the unit, and he was saying, um, well, we have to do it. This is what every human being wants. This is what every human being is. And I, I'm looking, and I'm like, then why the fuck haven't they done it already? If this is what everyone wants, why aren't they doing it themselves? Why is it us doing it to them? You you have to you have to take a step back here, people, and realize that what the way we think is not the way the rest of the world thinks. It's not the way the rest of the world sees the rest of the world. We don't even live the exact same democracy that we try to instill in other countries after we topple their regimes. We give them a different form, and we tell them to do it a different way. And then when they do something that they don't like, I mean, just look at fucking Egypt. They, <laughs> they got the democracy that we thought that they wanted, and then they fucking took it right back. They didn't want it. The fucking military couldn't give it up. They could not give up that power. It's, it's absurd to think that somehow, because we're Americans, that we know best. That everyone wants exactly what we have. Most fucking Americans don't want what America has. Right. I mean, fuck! How, how short-sighted can we possibly be? We have to realize that us fucking meddling in foreign... There is no sanctity of life. That was a made-up thing. Fucking reference George Carlin for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting when you read about the founding fathers their arguments for natural rights was because uh, it's really interesting uh, the founding fathers in their letters knew there was no such thing as a natural right you don't have a right to shit yeah. but if we use that language in an, in an official document then the experiment which is what Franklin referred to America as it was an experiment to see if the public could rule themselves before he died he said it failed <laughs> <laughs> and no one really wants to admit that Jefferson agreed too. he's like no we failed this sucks this is uh what we should have just stuck with the crown this is terrible if but, they um, just see what we are man <laughs> oh Franklin is probably uh, lose their shit yeah thank god he uh on a side note uh, Franklin regularly wrote about that he um he didn't live in an era where he could be frozen to come back. He was um, <laughs> he theorized about cryonics, um, and it, uh, it is a lot in a lot is that of true? journals. It is. He he theorized about cryonics, and he he said, I he pretty much said I felt so bad that I don't live in an era that isn't smart enough to do these things because he really wanted to see what America would become. Oh, yeah. God, thank God he didn't live in that time where you could be frozen, because. <laughs> I wouldn't want to wake up next to him. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, they, they uh, natural rights is it's, it, it's for a legal protection. And uh, that's, that's all it is. There's no such thing as a natural right. If, but if we put it in a legal document, it works. It's great. Um, but we, uh, you're right. These other places may not want it. It's not, it's not meant for everybody. They've done this thing for thousands of years it's like go. It's like what the feminists want the fucking feminists want the UN to do: stop general mutilation of women, but keep circumcising men. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cut off my, parts of my dick. God damn it! But um, <laughs> a lot of these women are like, no, it's an honor. Yes, it hurts. 
but it's an honor. Now I know I can do right by my husband, right by God, and right by my country. Good, mutilate yourself. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> have some fun with that. Yeah, like the way I see it is, if if they're fucking drinking the Kool Aid, fuck. What? Who am I to take it away? Let them fucking drink it. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> go over there and I will feed it to them through a goddamn straw. <laughs> it's a twirly straw that changes with the temperature of the liquid. Now it's purple, now it's blue. Uh, yeah, no, for real. Like, who fucking... I just... We don't have a fucking moral obligation to get involved in other countries. We do not. That is manufactured. And do you have so little going on in your life, so fucking little, that you have to worry about someone on the other side of the fucking world like, yeah, it sucks that, that that children are dying, but they fucking chose to live there. They chose to live in that fucking environment. They are in a fucking state of war. If they're in the rebel side, they can just fucking walk, the, walk away, go to a different neighboring country. There are ways fucking out, and it sucks, but yeah. that's their fucking problem. I have a lot of problems myself, and, and the reason why I talk about it, because I don't have any personal investment in their suffering. I do have a personal investment in how my tax dollars are spent. And I do not want to get caught up in another fucking war dealing with another fucking country and then having to re-fucking build it after we bomb it. It, it is insane that we you do said, this. And then we like still the end up with too. people fucking hating us. Like, <laughs> just fucking stop already. Like, we, we see what we have done. We have a history of how this works. Let's just look at it and say, you know what? It doesn't work. It doesn't work when we get involved. And that means that people are going to have to do what we did and fight for them fucking selves. We had a goddamn civil war in this country that was unbelievably, horribly violent. And we came on the other side smelling like corporate roses. So maybe they can too. And if they can't, well, then that's their own fucking problem. We have a new fucking internet toy to play with. So. Most people don't know this about the Middle East, but culturally in the Middle East, if um, you invite your enemy over for dinner um, because you want to flaunt, you want to, <laughs> yeah, it's in my family, it's, it's just fucking, it's annoying. Like, you know, my, my aunt gets a new sofa, she wants to throw a party, like, look, look at what my husband bought for me. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love my new $3,000 sofa? Here, sit on it. And she'll point to the person she hates the most and go and give them the first seat. <laughs> so when we go over there and we help people, it is spitting in their face. They're like, oh, so you think you're better than me. Yeah. You want to flaunt <laughs> your success and your wealth. And you think I need your help. And you're not even going to ask. You're just going to come over here and do it. That you're spitting. No wonder why we have enemies over there. You're, sp you're, you're very literally <laughs> spitting in their fucking sand I'm not, you know what? No, fuck this. I'm going <laughs> to say it. You're, I'm going to say it. You're going to spit in their sand nigger face. <laughs> oh, jeez. And they're going to, and no, I can't blame them. I can't blame them. When half of my family was deported after 9-11 back there, I can't blame them for being pissed and, you know, Hezbollah and all that shit. Good God. Um, <laughs> uh, but we, we also have to remember individual responsibility. You cannot say... People are responsible for their lives and then turn around and say you have an obligation to help your neighbor. You can't. Nope. We fought for our independence. And by we, I mean our ancestors because we didn't do shit. Hell, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously. We still don't do shit. What do we do? Show up and sit in a line for an hour? Really? <laughs> That's it? 
Where's the violence, man? Where's the American ingenuity? Where's burning the billboards? Where's fight Where's club? the passion, yeah. Yeah, where's the fashion? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I said passion. Oh, I said, oh, well, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> but yes, I think we could do something with the fashion as well. So let, we're, we're robbing the opportunity of these brown people to let them go do it. Come on, fight for yourself. Let's go. And if you fail, at least you fought the good fight. You died. You lost. You were tortured. But hey, we respect you. <laughs> and isn't that worth it? <laughs> you're a tombstone anyway. We respect your tombstone. Hey, you know what? We we have overpopulation already. <laughs> That's right. We're we're, he- we're helping. If we leave you alone, we're 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 helping environmentalists. This is this is perfect. We're helping you by making you help yourself. That's right. It's love. <laughs> we're very Christian over here. We love the name. Oh no. And uh, and tough love. That's what Jesus did. You know, he died for us. Now that's tough love. He died, was tortured, <laughs> and then he committed us to sin and left us in a wicked world because he loves us. Tough love. See, it works. <laughs> Proven point. All right. All right well, <laughs> on that note, let's let's dive into military racism. Okay, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Welcome to Militant Eroticism. I'm your host, Aden Arden, and um, I regularly post on the Militant Eroticism Facebook page with uh, notes about research, and I bring up clarifications on things that I said in the show. And I also uh, have been asking people lately, uh, you know, what what do you want to hear? I have I have a bunch of I a bunch of topics I want to go through, but I want some kind of gauge on what you guys would like to hear first. Uh, and I give you sneak peeks on things that I'll be covering. So make sure you go on to Facebook, look for Milton Eroticism, and click the like button and get in the know. So this week, it seems that people want to talk about screwing in the ritual chamber. They want to talk about sex magic, fucking the altar, and letting the devil screw you. Now, I'm not going to go over the occult history of sex magic. I think it's kind of dull. 
Um, Alistair Crowley would be a good example of that. That's a good fair amount of what the man talked about was screwing in uh, during a ritual. But if, if you really think about it, it's quite obvious what societies to look at for examples, for historical examples on sex magic. Um, so you can look at Rome, China's good, uh, Greece, Egypt, ancient Samaria. Uh, specifically look at their festivals. Rome being the best one, they had a 20-day festival that uh, amounted to orgies and big buffets in the streets. I was born in the wrong time. So also uh, look at Jack Donovan's book for male ceremonies entitled uh, Blood Brotherhood. I have a copy of it. It's a good survey of ceremonies between men. He meant the book as an alternative to gay marriage, but it's also a good starting point for uh, gay sex magic. Or um, I have one personally, I have one guy friend that I consider a brother. Um, it's a platonic relationship. And I love him deeply. And him and I had some kind of, uh, we had uh, a ritual together to solidify this, um, this platonic love we had for one another. It was, a, it was a beautiful thing. And it was based on one of the rituals in Blood Brotherhood. So, yeah, make sure you take a look around for some ideas. Now, satanic, we have to start with the base. We have to start with um, the satanic Bible. Magic, defined in Satanism, is the change in situations or events in accordance with one's will, which would, using normally accepted methods, be unchangeable. This definition pertains to ritual more than ceremony. In the Satanic Ritual, LeVay points out that rituals are to attain, ceremony is to sustain. For me, before I go into the ritual chamber, I first I, I ask myself five questions, and I'll tell you guys the first one. I think very hard about my goal. If I want to go into my ritual chamber to explore an idea, to explore myself, or to remind myself of something, um, about something that I hold firm that is now being put to the test, it's, forgive the phrase, and I wish I knew a better one, but it's almost like keeping the faith. It's, uh, it's I go in there to remind myself, no, this is what I love. And these are the reasons why, and I'm going to physically prove to myself that it is the most beneficial to me in the most emotional and dramatic way I can. Yeah, I'm as masculine as I like to think that I am. I'm still gay and gays love drama. So, <laughs> <laughs> so first, take a good hard think about what you're doing and the point of it. If you want a lover then this is already covered at length in the Satanic Bible. You have a lust ceremony. You light some candles, you blow a load on your altar, um, and you get what you want. And if you don't get what you want, hell, you, you blew a load on a table and, like, legs spread all proud. It's nice. You're like, hey, I'm a man. It's great. It's, it's a good time. Hell, you know, it's just fun to do that in general, stand up firm and blow a load out all proud and shit. It's generally a good idea. Uh, so I'm not going to go over uh, that. Um, I'll touch on it a little bit later for different reasons, but for now, LeVay already did one bang-up job of how to get the person you want to screw. It's already in the Satanic Bible. Don't ask me about it. Buy the fucking $8 book and look it up for yourself. It's a simple lust ritual. Sex magic in ceremony, and that's where it gets interesting. What's the goal of your of your ritual magic? What 
do you, uh, what do you want to create? What change do you want to create? The premise of Satanism is you. If we are our own highest value and we attempt to build the world we wish to be in, taking full responsibility of the consequences that our choices bring in the attempt to build that said world, it would follow that magic is another tool to build our fantasy world. And that's what the ritual chamber is. It's your fantasy to flesh. But the point is to pull those situations out of your head, pull them out of the ritual chamber, which is just fantasy, and make it come true. Dreams can come true. It's Disney. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so we want to build our fantasy world and then transition into reality. Satanism takes a two-fold view at reality. It's the in and out of the ritual chamber. In is our fantasy, out is reality. We attempt to bring the in closer to the out. If you have a reality that isn't satisfying, for me personally, I escape into fantasy, but not just a fantasy, something that is so monumental that it makes an imprint on my soul. I engineer a self-fulfilling prophecy because I'm self-aware enough that human beings do operate on that. So if I can trick myself into the prophecy that I want, I can fulfill it in my day-to-day -day life and I won't even know and it will look like magic and I'll go, hey, look at me, I'm powerful. <laughs> So you want to make it that kind of imprint on your soul. You want to carry the devil with you so he can change all your realities. I'm sorry, all your dreams into your, your realities. Ideals only exist in your head, so bring your brain into the game. What we envision in the ritual chamber is a blueprint. So now fucking build your house. Sex magic is no different than any other ritual. Personally, like I said before, I question the goal of my working. Do I want something specific or do I want to indulge? <laughs> and celebrate something. The latter would be a ceremony that could, personally should, include sexual intercourse. There is nothing wrong with the myths attached to our religion pertaining to what I'm discussing. Those, those uh, ideas of the orgies off in the woods where the devil sat on a big throne in the middle and there was dick sucking and pussy eating... Well, not in my myth, you know, no pussy. <laughs> there was sex abound. There were demons showing you which way to put your penis. It was great. We are in part attracted to this religion because of the myth. Celebrate those Sabbaths of myth, those, uh, those events of old, and give those vile people something to truly fear. A good fucking time. So first, the most interesting uh, book in LeVay's canon uh, for sex magic is The Satanic Witch. I'm sure most of us have read the quick rituals. Well, a few of them. I, I consider them quick. Um, the quick rituals that border on lesser magic in the Satanic Witch, specifically the chapter Sex Magic Without Sanctimony. There, LeVay discusses principles that hold true in ritual, but are translated to everyday masturbation. Uh, I always surprise myself where... I'll, I'll give you guys an example. I'll give you a story. Uh, there was a guy who recently came into my life again that I had been having sex with from 15 to 19 before he suddenly just fell off the face of the earth. And we've been looking for each other for years. Um, I'm not going to go into what happened to him, but there was a good reason why he fell off the face of the earth. And I'm we're, he's going to come back out to see me and we're going to continue our sexual relationship once again. But I thought it was really interesting that for years I've been looking for him. And when I go two weeks of focusing on him, 
with Dick in one hand and Lube in the other, suddenly, out of nowhere, he finds me. You wouldn't believe how often, and the more I talk to Satanists, the more I find this is a common reoccurrence. When they focus on something while they're jacking it, it tends to come true. And it's, it's, this is what the Satanic Witch is talking about in this chapter. Um, uh, visualization and meditating on your goal. So there are these, uh, these two principles in, in the ritual chamber that apply to everyday masturbation. Uh, it really pisses me off when people are like, oh, I just got to rub one out. I just got to blow a load and get on with my day. No, come on, man. You should lay back and have some fun and explore yourself. How can you expect anybody else to show you a good time if you don't know what a good time is? Here, here. Yeah. I mean, you know, play with your nipples, touch yourself, play with your anus, do something, you know, tickle your own toes. I don't care. <laughs> but take advantage of it and concentrate on the fantasy. You know, start off with some kind of narrative. You know, a pretty girl walks into your office and you get a catch of her polka dot. Yeah, I'm getting turned on here. You know, you got a polka dot fucking um, panties and, you know, do whatever you want with the beginning of that fantasy. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> so, but it's, it's amazing to me that when I masturbate and I concentrate very, very hard on my goal, and which I really just use to climax, uh, I've, I get the individual that I want, or I get the situation that I want. Even if they're straight, I still get what I want. It's, it's an awesome thing. Um, the rituals discussed in the Satanic Witch I'm going to go over is the Succubus Ritual. It's on page 250. It describes how to attack a man in his dreams. It's a masturbation ritual that relies on two fundamentals, visualization or meditating on your goal and exp um, expending the energy towards that. Uh, sex magic without sanctimony is discussing workings in the real world. Uh, what I mean by workings, Peggy, uh, our high priestess Peggy's uh, essay on satanic, uh, on the role of magic in, in a Satanist life is, is a good example of that, what she describes as a working versus a ritual. Uh, workings in the real world without my candles lit and whatnot. It's a goal, I'm sorry, the goal of this... Uh, ritual that LeVay goes over is to make yourself hyper aware. Uh, after walking around, he suggests to the girl, be naked underneath a nice long coat, play with yourself in private and different things, and let that arousal build up in you. So after walking around and building up that sexual energy, LeVay suggests to return home and masturbate in front of a mirror. And you're supposed to masturbate to yourself, but as the person you want. So you're not you. You're the man that you want. So we can apply this to everyday masturbation. Lay back. Those hands touching you, those hands touching your balls, your or your, I can't even say the word, or your pussy, uh, <laughs> playing around with your ass, stroking your hair, smacking yourself, whatever filthy, disgusting, despicable, and absolutely fantastic thing you want to do to yourself, do it. But in the fantasy, you have to maintain the idea that it's not you who's doing this. It's like in the ritual chamber. When you see things out of the corner of your eye, don't correct yourself reasonably. Let your fantasy run wild. Let your imagination run wild. It could be the demon you called on. Who knows? Who cares? It's a fantasy. Play with it. And yourself. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm going through the points 
in different texts about magic that pertains to sex and the principles they expand on in order to bring you to a firm foundation upon which to build. These elements can be simplified into two things that I brought up in The Satanic Witch. Visualization and self-awareness. So the rituals in The Satanic Witch are good in and of themselves. The reason I went over them is to extract the principles that they're discussing at work. It's sex ceremonies that everybody really seems to be interested in. Not rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, um, exploring yourself, exploring somebody else. In a ceremony dedicated to sex, I use it to remind myself exactly what kind of animal I am and what I want. And when I feel exhausted um, or when my libido is down because I'm just so disappointed with the way people are in bed. What most people call sex, I call jacking off with another human being. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really disappointing. But um, I use it to recharge my ferocity and explore the depths of my fetishes. I want to know how low I can go. I visualize what some members of my pantheon would do. Uh, I have action figures around my ritual chamber of... Um, different uh, people, whether real or not, that I idolize uh, or that I consider my heroes. So I, they decorate my altar. These are my, these are my gods in the ritual chamber. Um, so I visualize what they would do or what they would do to me. <laughs> we have to remember <laughs> that in myth, the devil is a teacher. Uh, so let him teach you. There's nothing wrong with laying back in a in your ritual chamber and imagining that Lilith is riding the shit out of you and showing you what to do and uh, telling you how to do it and how to treat the woman or how to treat the bottom or there's nothing wrong with this. It's, it's masturbation, but with drama and you're really affecting your personality. You're affecting how you approach sex. Most people approach sex to get off. You ask most people, most women will say, no, the point of sex is so the man can get off. What most men will say, it's so I can get off. This, it's, that's sad. Sex is like traveling. It's, um, it's not so much about where you're going. It's about the good. It's the whole package. You have a whole body to play with. You have a whole thing. This whole thing is your toy. If you get a new toy, you're just going to play with one part of it? No, you're going to play with the whole goddamn thing. Explore it. Introduce them to sensations that they didn't even know existed. Um, show them parts of their body that they didn't even know could be enjoyable. That's the fun part. Uh, so when you use a sex ceremony in this sense, and you imagine that you know, the, the devil or a demon crawls out of hell and to teach you something and shows you how to do it, that could be fun. Especially if you have, so something I've always wanted to do, especially if you have someone dress up as the devil. And he shows you which way the wind fucking blows. That could be one hell of a time. <laughs> uh, where's my loot? This is so good. <laughs> uh, the Satanic Rituals, that book. Uh, so I got a, I got an email asking, you know, what, what's a, you know, what were one of my sex rituals? I'm not going to tell anybody the things that I wrote myself. Um, I've, I'll tell people that I do it with, but I'm not going to tell a perfect stranger. So, but what I told this person is there are two rituals 
in LaVey's book, The Satanic Ritual, that can be adopted to fuck during. Those two rituals would be the homage, uh, the homage to, uh, I can never pronounce this, uh, Thort. <laughs> it's a homage to T-C-H-O-R. Right, right. Yeah, I, uh, I can never pronounce it. And Das Teardrama. Uh, das Teardrama is, is the more interesting one to me. It, because the point of that ceremony is to uh, revitalize your animal nature. It's to explore your carnality. So instead of chasing the mouse around the room, which is the way the ceremony ends in, uh, as written, you can, I don't know, you can raise your altar. You can have a nymph crawl out from underneath your altar from the smoke. And, or it can degrade into an animalistic orgy, like in the remake of um, The Island of Dr. Moreau, when you see Val Kilmer in a chair laughing hysterically, and all the animals finally recognizing that the laws are bullshit and their leaders or their father is a hypocrite, they all do exactly what they're supposed to. Um, so some people I've met, like, oh, no, yeah, we, we don't have sex in a ritual chamber. We don't do this. We don't do that. No, we don't as a point of dogma. You don't have to do these things. But if you want to do it, like if you if you want to you want to explore your wife in a ritual setting, and you want to have her as the altar, I can't imagine something better for a married couple. You know, you raise the altar up, and you quite literally get to soil the earth. It'd be fantastic. There's nothing wrong with these things. So, Dostier drama you can adapt it very very easily. Um, we are man. We are God. We are this. We are that. Well, what are you? You're horny. You're a human being. You like fucking. You like uh, you like novelty. You like, more often than not, degrading what you're screwing. Explore that, and these two rituals are a perfect way to do so. Uh, the homage one that starts with the preface about Rasputin—that is, in the way I read it, it was specifically about celebrating desire. So it's, you can add a scene to it where you name, this is the way I adapted it personally, I name the things that I desire sexually. I name the things that I want to do, and then I do it. I either do it with a person in, that's also in the ritual that I, in the fantasy, I called up from hell, I've conjured them out of a cauldron, so to speak, and uh, they're there to do one thing serve me and it's fantastic uh, or you could just do it um solo so you can accept you can express what you want and you can accept it and then when you walk out of the ritual chamber you have to act on these things magic doesn't exist strictly in the ritual chamber you have to follow it up with something um, personally if the ritual did its job i think you shouldn't even have to be very aware that you're doing what you intended to do it should happen unconsciously uh, Sex magic has never really failed me. It's, uh, it's a fantastic thing to explore. History is riddled with examples of sex magic, though I think you should stay away from Crowley. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, look at the old pagan ceremonies, and really, it really boils down to a few things. Know what you want. Do you want to celebrate your lust? Do you want to celebrate your love for somebody? Uh, which equates to fucking them in the ritual chamber. And um, if you want someone specific, 
don't don't underestimate everyday masturbation. Use it as an um, use it as a as an exercise. It's it's very very close to Levey telling a girl to walk around to build up her sexual energy. It's an exercise in self awareness, and you will be incredibly surprised by the results. Um, so in short, keep your skirts up, your pants down. And always remember, it doesn't matter who bends over, because in the end, we are all so goddamn degraded. <laughs> nice. nice. Uh, make sure to check out and uh, follow Militant Eroticism on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, he does, Adin does post a lot of uh, wonderful thoughts there. I do, I want to ask you a couple, uh, or maybe just share a couple ideas. Maybe sure. this can turn into a discussion. You touched on a lot of really wonderful things in that um um, in that segment where greater magic in and of itself is not the entirety of a solution or, or of an exercise. It's, it's one part. So when, and maybe just focusing on, on the sex magic side of it, are you incorporating this, um, in the ritual chamber so that you can draw in, um, the fantasy uh, have it become reality or are you doing it to no longer need that reality uh, to be simple i would say the former but my my fetishes are unfortunately more times than not they must exist in fantasy um the things that i would really love to do you should only do with someone you know very very well yeah. um for safety's sake but it's really, I, I think a lot of Satanists underestimate the fun of a ritual chamber. They go in there to get something. It's, you know, LeVay discusses it in, in the preface of the Satanic Ritual uh, book. It's, this is a temple to express things that you can't do anywhere else. This is a place where you get to explore the depths of your mind. And it seems a lot of people underestimate that. Go in there and explore your fantasy. Understand how depraved you really can be and how much fun and how good it feels to be that. Um, so that's, that's really that when it comes to sex magic, that is exactly what I think sex magic should be more times than not. Um, if you want a lover, jack off, follow the, follow the dogma that, Le, that LeVay prescribed. It's very effective. It's very dramatic. It works very well. Uh, but if you want to have sex during a ritual, or if you want to enact those myths that we've all heard about since we were kids, explore your fantasy. Uh, that's what that's what the ritual chamber is. It's a fantasy. Explore yeah. it. Have fun. It's a party. <laughs> this is it's interesting because the way I've always <clears throat> the way I always done it is um, the ritual chamber is very formula driven um but w i mean when i'm when i'm with my wife it's it's a very much a different structure um but it's it's sort of the same thing like i'm I, i'm 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 generating a dramatic amount of energy toward a given goal and but there's a process that i go through it's not just 
it's not just me jumping on top and, you know, thrusting until I, 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 I come. It's a process that I don't, I, like you were saying, it's not the goal, it's the journey that <laughs> makes it so wonderful. It, it's that true celebration of the flesh, uh, to say it again, where there, there's just little notes in a symphony uh, of sex that I like. I, I love stroking just my my fingers caressing uh, down the side and how how the the shape of the hip bulges up from the side and following that curvature with my fingers and my hands. I love the and this is probably not going to be great for you but I love the feeling of my fingers sliding uh, through the labia and and caressing just the folds of her pussy. I love I was that. so happy with everything you were saying. Like you should see the smile on my face and then how fast it turned into a look of absolute No, no. To be perfectly honest, I fake. I fake how much I hate um, straight sexuality. But um, no, that's beautiful. You got it. This is probably why your wife is so happy with you. Because I was, I was shocked. I'm always disappointed by monogamous couples. I think I've only met three, including you and your wife, um, that I looked at them like, see, now that's, they got it. They understand. They they true. They look at each other, and it's not just this is my wife. This is oh my god. This is look at this. I get to, I get to sleep with this. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's it's complete egoism and pride and self worship through another because you're like I'm so awesome. Look at how awesome this this thing that I got is. It's beautiful. When it, when I saw you look at your wife, I was like, yeah, they they got it. So it's, <laughs> this is this is part of the reason why you've had your wife for as long because you guys have been together since high school, right? Yeah, yeah, very long time. Right. So it's it's beautiful to me that you describe it that way. Like it's not just I don't want to just come. I want to enjoy the person that I'm with. I want to win. I want to appreciate her. And the way to appreciate her physically is to explore every inch of pleasure that she could get and that I will get out of it. It's incredibly selfish and prideful, and it's a beautiful thing. It, I think it also, I mean, it, it's, it may be even a cultural thing. I mean, I don't know about you. When I was, um, when I was coming up, the, my biggest inspirations for sex were hoping that a buddy of mine had a bootleg porno because there was no internet and you know hoping that i could see uh, I, I, you know one of my buddy's dad's dirty magazines or something and and that was the it, it wasn't it wasn't the ejaculation it was experiencing the forbidden and so as i got older you know the internet started and matured and i stopped I stopped being turned on by just the sight of the experience. I, I was desensitized to that. It wasn't special anymore because it was everywhere. It was at any keystroke of the internet. Um, it, it became to, for me, it, it started to be the process. And so there's never a point where, you know, our kids are in another room and we're like, hey, we have a couple of minutes. Do you just want to knock one out? Fuck that. I would well, rather no, that, wait. That can be, that can be kind of sexy too. I mean, um, I've I've had friends walk in where I'm I'm hosting a barbecue. Oh, that's awesome! And, <laughs> that is so. And awesome. they're all in the backyard, night. and like she's looking through the back window, and I walk in, and I just 
forward and sort of look at that ass and, you know, just run my hand up her chest. And, you know, and, and we actually right there in the kitchen, everyone is in the, everyone is there and we just start going. And then my buddy walks in and sees me pull my dick in my pants. So that's, you know, we've had those moments of you know, this has to happen now, but it's passion driven. It's not time driven. Like we only have 20 minutes. Let's hurry up and do it as if it's something that you just have to do as a couple. You know, it's always it's always followed by the the, the passion of it. This is this is a personal ethic of mine. The day, the very fucking day someone says duty to me, it no longer means that I want to do something for them. It means what I'm about to do, what they're asking of me is not it's not sincere. It's not a show of affection or love. So that's great when you said it's. No, sex is not something a couple has to do. It's something that you want to do. You want to please your lover. You, um, because it, it, it should fill you with pride. Um, but I, that whole thing with your, your wife in the kitchen, that happened to me last night. I was at a party. <laughs> I was at a party and I was with one of the guys I'm dating. Um, and this is, uh, personally, this is what I do. I, uh, guys that I'm dating, I throw through, this is going to sound so ridiculous, um, but I throw them through a few tests. And um, one of them is I'm going to leave you alone at a party to see how you deal with the people that I respect the most. So um, it was my old neighbor's party. I was there with the, uh, with my housemates. Um, and I, I struck up a conversation with one of the guys um, and I left the guy I was there with and walked away to get a drink. And then I just left him there for an hour. He didn't come looking for me. He didn't do anything. It was fa- it was fantastic. He could hold his own, and people dug him as an individual. Most of them didn't even know he was with me. Um, but him and I go behind the garage because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to come home with you tonight. I really don't like staying the night out, and I have a bunch of stuff to do the next day. But I'll tell you what. I'm going to take you behind there, and I'm going to just blow the fuck out of you. It's going to be great. So I take him behind the garage, and we start getting hot and heavy. And I forgot that there were people in a tent also having sex in that backyard. (laughs) They decided to roll down the window for air. So I see a naked woman on top of a naked man. And they see me on my knees, (laughs) big muscular Latino dude. God, that was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that, but... No, no, it's you're right. It's it's um it's about passion, not duty. The day anyone says it's your duty, it's your obligation, so long or sincere. But back to the original point, it's um, it, sexuality exists in your head. Fetishes exist in your head. Fetishes don't feel good in and of themselves. They mean something to you. Explore it. Explore how far you can go. And uh, and the ritual chamber as LeVay said, is the temple for unspoken thoughts, uh, thoughts and perverse actions. Um, we are dirty. We are uh, decadent. We are perverse. And we are we are a big degenerate bunch. Have some fun with it. Um, there, there, if you're, if, like you said, you're very formulaic in your rituals. Um, that doesn't negate anything anything that I'm 
saying it doesn't disagree with it at all. I'm I'm pretty formulaic also. If I don't know exactly what I'm saying, if I don't have everything the right way, I don't feel very powerful. I don't feel uh, witchy. Um, but you can still go in there and explore something. You can have a, a, a scene, so to speak, in in the ritual where it's a free for all. It's it, an example I can give is when when you hold when you present you know actually no better you can some say some kind of incantation to pull up pan and someone crawls out from underneath the altar or they just suddenly pop out of the shadows and then it's a free-for-all and there can be certain lines if that drives you like pan could say i'm going to show you the ways of the wild or i'm going to show you the earth or i'm going to show you why you are beautiful or some other kind of bullshit, whatever you need to hear. And, um, and then it can be a free for all and it's, you know, take your time. There should be no such thing as a quick ritual. If you want a quick ritual, do candle magic, (laughs) (laughs) um, or do a working, you know, when I juice, I consider that a ritual. When I cook, that's, that's a working, you know, I'm doing some magic, um, and if they don't like my cooking, well, they, the magic didn't work. <laughs> and fuck them, I'll hack them. <laughs> I, I do genuinely like that idea of, well, I mean, just as as young men, one of the things that that intrigued me most about rituals was the unabashed acceptance and even even the encouragement of of commingling sex with the actual ritual side of it as well you know the dogma of it um the the satanic mass the idea of that was such a turn-on for me that you would that you would actually be able to interact with that flesh altar was it it blew my fucking mind it it was completely different than anything i'd ever thought about before because as far as satanic magic at before i was exposed to um the, the satanic mass was the idea that the altar was there uh, at a distance. It, it was meant to generate energy throughout you, but there was no interaction involved. And what the satanic black mass and, and what you're saying with sex magic in, in your interpretation is that, and, and maybe we need to take a step back and realize the point of rituals is to generate energy and direct it towards changing events if you're interacting with that altar or that addition to your ritual to help you uh, generate that energy, all the more power, all the better for it. And and if it means that you get to explore a side of yourself that you don't get to express anywhere else, that's all the reason you need. I mean, that, that's an amazing, amazing reason in and of itself. So I, I, I completely... I completely dig what you're saying. Um, I'm behind it 100, and I'm actually going to be maybe experimenting a little bit in ways that I hadn't before myself because of it. So thank you for that. I want a video. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be as exciting as you think. Uh, all right, I forgot. Um, the, the ritual chamber is. I think a lot of Satanists can relate to this. Um, well, you know, I'll ask you personally. Were you really disappointed when you got older? And you realize you didn't live in the world full of ghosts and goblins and witches and demons. For me personally, I was a bit disappointed when I grew up and I developed um, a critical thought. And 
I looked around. I was like, this is this is disappointing. You know, I, I wanted there to be ghosts. I wanted there to be a boogeyman. I wanted monsters in the closet. I wanted that stuff so bad. That's probably why on, on some of my days off, I'll sit and play The Sims super, Supernatural. Because in there, I can wave a wand and lights will shoot out. And I can light people on fire and I can turn people into toads. <laughs> here, I can't do those things. And it's disappointing to me. And Satanists that I've talked to have this similar thing. When they had this childlike beautiful imagination and when they got up they realized that their imagination was not real the beautiful thing about satanism is it says no your imagination can be real but you just got to know you got to be smart about it you got to know where to apply what things if you imagine a great job for yourself go in the ritual chamber imagine this great job and then work for it and then your imagination becomes reality and then things like um i have a i have a monster fetish my my um disappointment goes far more than oh boohoo i can't carry a silver stake around it's no i wanted to get raped by a werewolf when i went camping <laughs> but the beautiful thing about a ritual chamber is i can do those things now and i can yeah. trick my brain into thinking that it's real um this uh, satanic witch i know she said when she was a little girl she all she was in love with the paintings of lucifer and she was so disappointed when she realized that she couldn't, um, she, when she realized Christianity was bullshit and she realized there was no such thing as a sin and, um, she, she was, she said she was in a really ridiculous way. She was disappointed that she couldn't go to hell to have sex with Lucifer. And I, I wrote her a ritual and I didn't enact it with her, but I did a ceremony with her where, um, we had a doll. And I use the example of nuns come from uh, pagan priest, uh, priestess, uh, priestesses where they would sleep with the statue of the god. It would sometimes have a detachable dildo and they would be sleeping with the god or a priest would be possessed by it. Which is also interesting for you, Adam. <laughs> you become possessed by the devil in ritual and then fuck your wife. <laughs> um, I, I showed her this ceremony I did it with her and then I made her have sex with the doll that I had one of my friends is a special effects guy and I had him make a, a some kind of uh, something that wouldn't hurt her a doll of Lucifer and she rode the fuck out of that thing right in front of me Whoa! Um, yeah it was um, took me a lot to keep my character that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> She she thanked me. She was um, she was so fucking happy when we walked out and we had dinner together and we talked about it. She's like, "Oh my god, you made a little girl's dream come true!" And I said, "I'm so happy I could deliver the devil on a platter to you." <laughs> said, That's awesome. The tools that you have, you have your brain, you have your desires, and you have a philosophy that not only says it's okay, but it enables you. It almost commands you explore yourself explore your dreams explore your nightmares and have some fun with it you have one life to live and there's nothing after there is no shame especially in that room so go in there and have a good time oh, yeah. well we are we are at two hours right now so we let let us, <laughs> let us uh end this segment and end this episode thank you so much adine that was fucking fantastic thank you man it's always great talking to you uh, and audience, that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it.
I would love to hear from you continually, always. I appreciate all your posts on iTunes. I saw a new one came up and uh, a new review. Thank you very much for that. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanet, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 Cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via our RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. And if you go to a certain site that you don't find 9 Cents but you would like to, let me know. You can subscribe to 9 Cents via iTunes by searching 9 Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and a comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. The only way this podcast is going to continually live is if you continue to tune in, you tell a friend, share 9 Cents with everyone you know, let them know that this exists, that there is a place that the satanic conversation is being held. It's up for debate, it's up for examination and it's up for your opinions let's build this podcast together and help spread the word once again thank you for joining me and as always i'm your host adam campbell being joined by oh adin adin this is funny like you get in this habit of just like okay he's just shutting he's he's finishing the show and you sort of turn out a little bit um (laughs) and until next week (laughs) hail satan Fail Satan. <laughs> <laughs>